Lord, thank you for your goodness towards us, your love, your mercies, which are new every single morning. And Lord, now we ask that you would open our hearts, open our ears, open our eyes to your word and the ways your word will come forth today. We pray these things in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated, everyone. Good morning, happy, what is this, uh, Sunday after Thanksgiving. Um, Want to welcome those who are watching online as well. And just for the sake of fitting folks in this room here, if you have a bag next to you, if you have a coat next to you, if you wouldn't mind just moving it off and putting it by your feet so that folks who are coming in late, they can get a seat. That'll be a really a wonderful uh, thing for us. Now, if you're new to our church, I know we typically have a lot of visitors uh, the Sunday after Thanksgiving, many folks are coming in from out of town, and so if you're new to our church, I want to welcome you. My name is Rich. I'm the lead pastor here, and I am thrilled that you've joined us for worship. At the end of our service, I'll be downstairs in the lobby. Some of our staff will be down there as well, and uh, whether you've been coming to New Life for a few weeks or months or this is your first time here, I'd love to meet you, get your name and all that, so please just stop by before uh, you leave. Now, I wanted to make, uh, make mention of a helpful prayer resource that I want you to take advantage of. I spent some time uh, curating and creating an, a devotional for Advent. Advent is the 25 days where we focus on waiting and longing uh, as, we, as, as we anticipate the coming of God and Jesus and the birth of Jesus. And in your downstairs in the, the book table area, you'll find these little Advent devotionals uh, ready for you uh, for only $5. That's the Black Friday special, $5. <laughs> Someone said if it was Black Friday, it should be $2.50. I said it was $10. Now it's $5. And so... Um, so downstairs, I created, my, my, whole, my goal as a pastor, one of my core goals as a pastor is to help you to pray, is to get you to God and to help you uh, with resources that make it easy and accessible. Some folks go, I don't know what to do when I pray. That's why we have this devotional. And so we have 50 devotionals based on 25 days, one in the morning and one in the evening. So you can start off your day in prayer and in silence and a devotional and end your night as well in prayer and silence and a devotional. You can feel free to pick up one for a coworker, for a friend, uh, and of course for yourself. So just take note of that. At the end of our service, we'll have these uh, daily office books available. But today, we're going to focus on on the end of our rule of life series. We've been on a series focusing on our rule of life. And in a moment, I'm going to invite a panel up here to, to flesh this out in, in real time. Next week, we're going to start an Advent series. I'm going to be preaching next week on the Gospel of John. And for the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at verses 1, chapter 1, verses 1 through 14. That's going to take us through the Christmas season, the Advent and Christmas season. And so if you want to get a head start as to where we're going to be, feel free to be meditating, to, to meditate on those verses, John chapter 1, verses 1 through 14. Today, we hope, though, we're ending our Rule of Life series. And uh, Rule of Life, for many of you who uh, are been to our church, many of you who don't know, a rule is not about rules and regulations. A rule of life, the Latin word for rule is the word trellis. It's a structure that a vine attaches itself to, to help it uh, produce fruit, to help it grow upward and outward to bear much 
fruit. And we've been talking about the four dimensions of a rule of life and what it means for us to be intentional about following Jesus. Not reactionary, uh, not on autopilot, but how can we be intentional about following Jesus in the world? And so the trellis, the rule of life, is based on four different movements as it pertains to our spiritual lives. And the four different movements are based on four different words, prayer, rest, relationships and work and it speaks to the four dimensions of our lives with God prayer speaks to our upward dimension of our life with God rest speaks to our inward dimension and our relationship to ourselves relationships the withward dimension with others and then work is the outward dimension and so it's upward inward withward outward all right and so good exercise and so we wanted to be exploring this and we have been exploring the four different dimensions of our rule of life and what it does you know what it means to follow Jesus very intentionally and what I want to do is I want to, I want to focus on one passage of Scripture, offer a little bit of reflection off of that, and then I'm going to invite a panel up here to share uh, a little bit about how they have been working through that. And so uh, Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, I'm going to read it for you in the New International Version and then in the message translation, which kind of gets out the, 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 the nuances of the Greek language. And so hear the word of the Lord, uh, Romans chapter 12, beginning in verse number 1. Paul says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters... In view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good pleasing and perfect will. This is the New International Version. I want to show you the message translation. It kind of gets out the flavors and the, the, the juices of this verse and a little bit more, uh, with a little more color as well. Uh, here it is. It says, so here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. I like that. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down, to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. What I love about this verse is, and it speaks to why we need a rule of life, and there are three simple observations I want to make out of this verse. The first observation that I want you to see is that Paul says in Romans 12 that every aspect of life is holy. Every aspect of life is holy. Every aspect of life matters to God. And this is important because we live in a world that very easily compartmentalizes, especially Christians. We have a bad habit of compartmentalizing, where we say certain things belong to God, certain things don't belong to God. This is my spiritual life. This is my social life. This is my dating life. This is my sex life. This is my money life. This is my work life. We have neat compartments where we separate things from one thing to the next. And that works with doing laundry, but it doesn't work with the spiritual life. 
By all means, keep the dark clothes and the, and the, and the bright clothes together. By compartmentalize. By all means, do that. But when it comes to the spiritual life, all of it matters to God. And so Paul says, present your bodies. He's not just talking about our physicality. He's not just talking about our biology. He's talking about the materiality of the world. Whatever is out there, whatever we can see, whatever we put our hands to, that belongs to God. And all of life is holy. Every aspect of life is holy. And so when you're balancing the checkbook, it's holy work. When you're eating a meal, it's holy work. When you're making love, it's, it's holy work. When you're evangelizing, it's holy work. When you're working, it's holy work. Every aspect of life is holy. The second thing about this passage we need to see is that there's a Paul lets us know there's a powerful worldly pattern that we need to reject, that the world wants to conform you in its image, that there are particular values, particular priorities that the world and the world system would have you uh, adopt into your life uncritically, where, where, where all of a sudden we are reactive to the impulses of the world, where we're, we're, not, we're not critically examining our place in the world, where the world says, you need a new iPhone, you need a new iPhone. We're just uncritical about it. And so Paul says, do not be conformed to the world, that there is a power out there that wants to conform you into its own image, away from the image of Jesus, away from the values of Jesus, away from the love of Jesus. And Paul says, do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed. The world transformed there is the word where we get metamorphosis from. Be transformed from the inside out by the renewing of your mind. So Paul says in this passage, every aspect of life is holy. There's a powerful worldly pattern that we need to reject. And we are called to a life of transformation, not just for our own good feelings, not for our own self-actualization, but for the sake of knowing and doing God's will. As Christians, we are about knowing and doing God's will. This is why we are renewing our minds so we can know and do God's will. This is why a rule of life is important because a rule of life speaks to all three of these dimensions. A rule of life lets us know that we are not called to compartmentalize, that every aspect belongs to God, every aspect of life. A rule of life says we want to be shaped into the pattern of Jesus, amen? We want to be shaped into his way. We want to be shaped into his rule. We want our lives to be oriented and shaped by his love, his pattern, his approach but also that we are called to be transformed by the renewing of our minds so that we can know and do God's will. This is why we have a rule of life, a prayer document, if you will, a framework, a structure to order our lives accordingly. And so when I talk about a rule of life, I hear people from time to time say, you know, Pastor Rich, you've been doing this and you can master this because you're a pastor. You're supposed to do this well, you know? And so what I want us to do is get a panel up here and end our series this way to let you know that no matter where you are in life, no matter what your vocation, no matter where you work, no matter what your family situation, that we all can be wrestling with this together. And we are called as Christians to a life really of integrity. And integrity is not about doing something perfectly. It's about wrestling with something faithfully. And the rule of life is not something we are called to master. It's something we're called to wrestle with faithfully so that Jesus Christ can shape us a little bit more into his image. And so with that thought, I want to invite our panelists to come up here, just regular new lifers like you and me. Give it up for them as they come to the stage here. And we'll flesh this out a little bit, a little bit together. We have some really wonderful folks here. I want to introduce you uh, to them, let you know a little bit about just how long they've been coming to New Life, 
and then um, we'll go one by one as each of them share their own unique uh, context, story, journey, and all that, and yet they're wrestling with what does it mean to live out a rule of life. Uh, To my right, we have Larry Felder. Larry's been coming to New Life for about a year. He mentioned that he's been around New Life for about six to seven years, you know, just around, but he made it in. He finally found his way in a year ago, and so we're glad he is here. We have uh, Nellie Carlisi, who's been coming to New Life for 13 years, Linda Wong, who's been coming to New Life for 10 years, and April and Ed Hetzel, who's been coming to New Life for, for two years. And so I wanted to have them up here because they each have a particular context uh, and unique pressures uh, that they are individually facing, and yet they're trying to integrate a rule into their everyday life. And so uh, first, I want to just go to Larry. Larry, again, been coming to life for a year. And Larry, uh, when he's not at church, Larry is a firefighter for the FDNY. And uh, he's one of our bravest. And in addition to... Well done, Larry. Everybody's showing you love already. Nelly, you can take it from here. No, no. Uh, Larry's been, uh, in addition to how many years have you been uh, working with FDNY? Uh, five years. So five years. In addition to that, Larry is one of the leaders of the FDNY's diversity and inclusion unit, which speaks to uh, the, the particular areas of racial, gender, sexual, just inclusion in that context there. And so he's been asked to give talks. He's been asked to research, to, to give some leadership in this area. So Larry's doing some, some really uh, wonderful things. But Larry, on a given basis, on a daily basis, on a weekly basis, I imagine in your profession, in your line of work, there are a lot of pressures that you are uh, experiencing. Just help us get into your world a little bit. What are some of the pressures that you experience on a daily and weekly basis? Well, yeah, Pastor Rich, uh, originally we start with the goals of a firefighter. Uh, really, is just to save a life and property. That's, what, that's our whole goal, and we respond to every type of emergency that you can think of. And I know you guys can imagine the type of danger that we deal with. So those are challenges right there. Um, but then the challenges that we face and some of the pressures, just staying physically ready. You know, you got to stay in shape, you know, uh, mentally, uh, readiness. Uh, we, we have initiatives that help us firefighters with that uh, emotionally, just how to prepare for a fire, prepare for any emergency when we're responding to the people in the public. We're just serving. Um, and then with, for instance, just the firehouse. Uh, it's a place, it's, it's multiracial. Uh, it's it's like our church, you know, where we strive to have a multiracial environment where we, we care and we try to include. Um, and our firehouse is the same way where there's some real issues, racial issues that we deal with and we battle and because we're trying to gain trust at the end of the day. And that's the heart of it because we want to be able to trust somebody in the middle of a fire where you can't see anything. But we do the same thing in the firehouse. So uh, building that, I mean, just on a lighter note, just how do we... Uh, just find, getting 11 guys to decide on what we're going to eat. That's enough, yeah. right? That's enough of an issue. But uh, so, and we're all cooking together and everything. But, um, and then, you know, more seriously, there's just, there's tension that arises. And, uh, and we, we want to face that. And in a diversity and inclusion setting, uh, I do a work where we facilitate a training called unconscious bias, 
where a lot of times we don't see our own perspective and how we're affecting others. We don't see like how we're dealing and how we're, how we're, uh, how we're really treating the fellow brother you know, or sister. So we have issues with gender. Um, we have new women firefighters, more women firefighters that are coming on the job that are coming out of firehouses. Uh, we have uh, uh, transgender firefighters that are coming on the job with, and dealing with, dealing with the old mentalities. There's so much pride and tradition in the fire department, which I want to say is the best fire department on the planet. Mm-hmm. New York City, we really do. We really have the best uh, fire department. Uh, but we, 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 can we strive to make it more excellent? So one of the things that we deal with is just dealing with the new things that are coming our way and how to deal with our mentalities. Mm. Now, one of the things you mentioned, first you said, what was the line you said about the firehouse? Is- oh, yeah. Our firehouse is really, you know, it's really a house on fire. Mm. And that's what we're dealing with. Uh, we're, we're always putting out fires. And I know once I mean, you're going to hear from others in your own lives, you're probably putting out fires. But we're literally doing it, and we're doing it inside the firehouse as well. Now, one of the things which was fascinating when we were prepping for this is you said you have a rescue mentality. And a rescue mentality, that's the nature of your work. But the rescue mentality often spills over into the everyday where you can cross some limits within your own self where of overfunctioning, of doing too much. How has that rescue mentality impacted you? And what have you learned about the rule of life as it pertains to, to the area of rest in particular? Yeah, I've discovered uh, that, I mean, having a rescue mentality helps out, right? When, when you're going into fires, because you're going in. Uh, but really, it can take over. And um, particularly, rest has been important to me. Through a class that I've taken here, uh, taken here, uh, emotionally healthy relationships, even just one skill from the class, and I'll talk about something other challenge is our schedule. The firefighter schedule, it's a variable schedule, it's flexible. But with one skill, particularly climbing the ladder of integrity, I don't know if you saw it, we, we, we climb ladders. I don't know if you guys know that. <laughs> firefighters. Well, like, but uh, climbing the ladder of integrity is a skill. There was a brother here that goes to the church, I won't mention his name, but he was talking about his life and how he was having an issue with a family member. And, and that issue uh, was spilling over how he was feeling it, but he dealt with it. The, the climbing the ladder of integrity helps you deal with your feelings and your issues about that, that thing. And he was talking about how he was over-functioning, over-working. Now, I just came in from a tour. Uh, for, I came into the class that night from work, tired, played a game of basketball before that, doing the things I enjoy and I love, right? And I'm worn out. But I'm in the class. I'm here. I'm ready. I'm present. And he said that, and I woke up. I got alive because I realized he was, I saw myself in that. I saw myself in what he was talking about, overwork and overfunctioning. And I said, wow, okay. So now what I'm, now the, the skill of rest, uh, just the rule of life to rest. Now I'm using the Sabbath more. Mm. Um, I'm making, with my flexible schedule as a firefighter, we're working 24-hour shifts, and sometimes we're in for 15 just night tours and we're coming off in the morning. I have to decide now, framework now, that trellis is big, to say this is my Sabbath the week, even if it's not on a Sunday. You know, it's, my Sabbath is Thursday, mm-hmm. and, I, and I have to decide and say, I'm not going to do anything, because I would love to, but I can't. I heard that my brother told me. I got to start using that. I would love to, but I can't. Yeah. You know, but that's a skill that I have to use to just get rest in, with, with the Sabbath. And being, being, making time for self-care, yeah. right, to, to spend time with God, to have prayer and have where it could be endless. I could just spend time. Yeah. You know, so. And what are the things just about prayer that you're learning? I mean, again, it's, it's a pretty intense environment you're in. What are the things about your rule of life and prayer that you're learning about? Uh, I, took a, I took another class here. Uh, 
<laughs> You're doing a lot of stuff. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Over, over function a little, right? <laughs> so you see it. But centering prayer, this thing has really changed um, how I spend my time in my life. Uh, being able to be silent and embrace boredom, right? A little bit, right? And, and be able to s- slow down. So when I go into the firehouse, this is one of the things that uh, it's a stat research. When you walk into the firehouse, naturally your blood pressure goes up. Right, just any firefighter. When you go walk into the door, when you hear the tones go off, the alarms, arresting heart rate of 50 goes up to 130, 150. Right. So there's things, there's tension, there's things that's building, there's stress that's building that we just automatically deal with, and there's ways that we deal with it. But through centering prayer, when I'm when I'm going into the firehouse, my mind is on Christ. I'm able to just be still. And when I get in the firehouse, sometimes I dip off a little bit and spend a minute where I can just center and, I just, and just say, Lord, I'm here. And have your way here. And now the environment at work is in a house on fire, but now I'm in an environment where God can, just a harvest field, mm-hmm. and I can be effective that way. Amen. Beautiful. Thank you, Larry. Beautiful. I want to go to, uh, to Nelly. Nelly, again, has been coming to New Life for 13 years, um, has a master's in social work, uh, and puts out fires in her own respective way as a stay-at-home mom of a three-year-old and a five-year-old. And so you see some of the pictures up there of Nellie, her husband Jim, and uh, her beautiful kids there. Uh, But Nellie, I imagine, um, you know, Larry's in a nonstop environment. Uh, You know about living in a nonstop environment as well. Just talk a little bit about your own unique pressures of, of... the nonstop work of parenting and, and where you're at right now. So as a stay-at-home mom, um, you know, after a day of curating our home and doing errands and cooking meals, and then on top of that, trying to teach my children um, and the resistance and the disobedience uh, and disrespect, um, I find myself triggered on a daily basis. And when I'm triggered, um, I also see myself going back to the way I was parented as a child and, um, and the anger and rage that came out from my own parents. And so my natural instinct is to yell and punish and to cause a disconnect between me and my children. And um, it also affects my husband as well. Um, and so with that... I'm, I'm left feeling com- condemnation and shame, um, which pushes me to go to the cross daily um, and be set free from that and start anew, um, whether it's after a minute of being, you know, a terrible, you know, uh, screaming mom. Um, and, uh, and, you know, and through the process, you know, my oldest is five, and God has shown me, you know, um, I do not want you to parent the way your parents parented you. You know, you can parent with calm composure. Um, And so if I parent with him, I know it's possible. It doesn't feel possible in the moment to moment. Um, And there have been moments where I've been able to be calm and and times where I haven't. Um, Recently, I've noticed my daughter uh, would come up to us and, you know, and say, can we talk about what what just happened? and so we would have a family meeting about what, where was my fault in it and where was her fault in it. Um, and in that moment, I think I, I just realized that she has a voice in our family where I never did, and that's a victory. 
Um, and so a verse that came to me was from Zechariah 410, um, the New Living Translation, where it says that, um, do not despise the day of small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices and to see the work begin. And this is my small beginning um, that God is, you know, shaping me to parent. Um, and so the prayer piece. Um, and just so you know, before I frame that, Nell, in addition to Nellie doing all the, um, the, the regular work of parenting, Nellie's also a spiritual director. And so in a given month, she's meeting with folks, new lifers, I imagine maybe some folks outside as well. And she's walking alongside folks. Um, spiritual directors are a gift to our church. And I don't want to make this into an advertisement for you, Nellie, at this point. But um, Nellie, was, you'll be served as someone comes alongside you to help you discern the will of God, ask the right questions, and all that there. And so uh, as a spiritual director and as, as a follower of Jesus, uh, the, the aspect of prayer to keep you centered, to keep you grounded has been uh, quite important to you. Just talk a little bit about the prayer aspect in particular of your rule of life and how you remain centered. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think for me, um, also centering prayer has helped. Um, you know, just noticing my kids, like needing us to comfort them and hold them um, and seeing that I need that too from God. Um, and centering prayer provides that for me where I'm able to sit in silence for 20 minutes um, and be the presence of, of Jesus. And, you know, there's distractions, you know, and maybe I'll, out of that 20 minutes, I'll have five minutes of receiving his love. And, um, you know, and, and that's, that's enough, you know. Um, and also doing the exam, and I think that has also helped to me where I process it with my husband. Just explain um, what the exam is. On the evening where, you know, where did I notice God? Um, and where did I not notice? Where did I miss him? And so we, we might have a discussion where, you know, when I, um, when I found myself being more critical of my daughter's homework, you know, and just I miss God in that moment. Um, yeah. And you also mentioned to me about, again, the rhythm of rest. Mm-hmm. So against prayer, rest, relationships, and work. And what you're discovering about a rhythm of delighting, a rhythm of Sabbath, um, what has that meant for you as you've been working with, through that there? Yeah, um, for us, uh, Sabbath, we, we've done pockets of Sabbath where we're like, we'll take a nap or, or uh, you know, we'll go out and enjoy the weather. Um, but um, I think recently we kind of named it where we're going to do Sabbath from Saturday night to Sunday evening. Um, and that's, for me, it's just been a, a gift to fight to be in a posture of delighting delighting my family, delighting the goodness that God has given us, um, you know, taking time to, to be with my husband, you know, a couple hours within that Sabbath to, um, to be present with each other and to enjoy our kids. Um, and so my hope by taking this 24-hour period of Sabbath is that that delight would also trickle down to the week. You know, but by Wednesday, I'm like still a crazy mom. But <laughs> so, so yeah. So those practices has helped me stay grounded with with the Lord. And you know, the rule of life again. I, I can't emphasize it enough. Where to have a rule of life, a series of practices is not about you mastering them, in the sense where you've perfected it. I hear people say, "Well, I can't do it." 
well, join the club, okay? Now, the, the goal is how do we faithfully wrestle with it? How do we integrate it into our lives? And when we mess up and say, you know, I didn't do it the right way, thank God for grace and let me start again tomorrow. But how do we integrate this in our lives? But thank you, Nellie, for the ways that you are integrating this rule into your own life. It's really wonderful. <laughs> Linda's been coming to New Life for, uh, for 10 years, and uh, she's married to her husband, Wenwei, has two children, Joshua and Rachel. And um, Linda is, uh, is a trained oral and maxillofacial surgeon, uh, performing all types of surgeries from wisdom teeth extraction, dental implants, recon- facial and reconstructive surgeries. And in addition to when she's not pulling teeth, um, she's actually running the organization because she has her own practice in Flushing, Queens, of 10 staff under her. And so she is, there's a lot coming at you, Linda, on a regular basis. Just share a little bit about your own unique pressures uh, and uh, struggles on a week-to-week basis. Thank you. Um, I think you already summarized it really well, what I do. And um, on, on, as Pastor Rich said, with all the professional portions that I do, on top of that, I'm a business owner. So in 2012, I opened my own office and... Beginning at that time, I became business owner, manager, supervisor. Uh, I'm the teacher of teaching all my staff all about the profession and the business portion, and as well as I'm the referee whenever there's an office dispute or between patients and the office, and I'm also the liaison for uh, the, off- the referral offices uh, and with us. Uh, on the side, I also teach at the university hospital regularly, and I do uh, operating uh, cases over there, and I teach the residents. So uh, I need to balance that along with a family life, which I am a wife, I am a daughter, I am also a mother. So I don't know how I do it. <laughs> teach us so much, one here. Um, There are two things, two aspects of the rule of life that I wanted you to share, Linda. The first is as it pertains to work. And so again, it's prayer, rest, relationships, and work. One of the things that I've been so impressed uh, about you about, about is, and with you about, is your commitment to having a particular work environment that is marked by emotional health. And there's some folks in our church that you're a supervisor, you're over a department, you're an entrepreneur, you're a business owner, and you have an opportunity to shape culture, whether it's on a a smaller level with a team, whether it's on a larger level. But I've been so impressed by how you have been so intentional about having your workplace marked by emotionally healthy values. Just talk about some of the work you've done with that. Um, Colossians 3 um, teaches us that in everything that we do, we do it as we're working for the Lord and not for men. And so when I open the office, our prayer is that, Lord, where are you taking us? What do you want us to do? Because this office is yours. Therefore, you have to take the lead. I don't have any business genes in me. I have no clue. I didn't even know what to do on step one. So the only thing is I just have to pray. And I said, Lord, teach me. I, I know my calling is to open an office in Flushing, but what do I do? And so constantly what I hear from God is, do you trust me? And, and it's with a lot of, um, 
a lot of um, uh, a lot of faith that I'm trying to develop and and just feel like I don't know where I'm going, but I just have to hold on to God. And so as he lead, three things come up that I needed to develop for my office. Number one, I have to grow myself. Uh, Pete and Jerry always teaches, if you're not growing, you're dying. And so I need to grow. Uh, for me to grow as a person, I need to be rooted, anchored in scripture. And I need to learn how to be a leader. If I don't know how to lead, if I can't be a good leader, how can my team learn? How can my team follow me? And so I have to read a lot of books, go to workshops, go to seminars. That's for the self. And then for the business component, I have to learn the business aspects. So I tapped into Dave Ramsey's website and a lot of their teachings. I plugged into their small group and learned. And again, reading a lot of books, going to workshops, going to conferences. I have to grow in that aspect. Um, they too teach according to the scripture how to run the business. Then come my staff. I made it a, um, it is, it is an absolute necessary, uh, requirement for my office that my staff have to go through the new life EHR training. So if they don't go through the class, if they, uh, if they tell me they can't go, they're not allowed to work for me. So what we do is we bring. Why is that, Linda? Because they're, tell us they're, why is that? Because if they do not understand themselves, if they do not have insight, their emotional temperature reading, if they don't understand the communication of incarnational listening, clean fight versus dirty fight, ladder of integrity, if they do not understand these things, they cannot work with each other. There will be a lot of bickering. There will be a lot of gossip, which is banned in my office. And so a lot of these things, we are building a culture that is not human culture. It is kingdom culture. And so therefore, number three, number three is missional. That's why we are here to cater to our community, which is in Flushing. Our office is in Flushing. And we want to bring every single person who come through our doors. They will sense, they will get a a flavor of God's shalom and also kingdom culture. So this is something that we are going for. Yeah, it's really wonderful. Now, some folks are wondering, are, you, are there any applications? Can I work for you? <laughs> and what I appreciate is Linda, not only does she require her staff to take some of the courses here at our church, and some of whom I'm not even Christian, uh, and, and they are, um, Linda pays for it as well. It's part of their development. They're, they're paid to be here as well. And so that, that's really it's wonderful. It's worth time. Yeah, that, that's, that's really wonderful. The last thing, just very quickly, is in addition to all that work, Linda, um, you also have an 86 and 89-year-old parents that live with you. And so there's the pressure of caring for aging parents as well. In your rule of life, how have you sought to just manage that reality as well? First Timothy 3, 5 says that if, we, if, if one cannot take care of his own family, how can he manage God's church? And so this is, um, this is what we embrace in our family, is that we need to take care of each other. Number one is that we need to lead out of our marriage. When we and I are very intentional in taking um, 
classes, marriage conference, workshops, seminars, and reading a lot of books, listening to Focus on the Family, we have to learn how to love one another. And out of the solid foundation of marriage, can we lead and can we love our family? So uh, marriage, number one. Number two, growing our children. Um, God has given us two beautiful children only for a few years to grow. And so in this limited time, we need to make the most of every opportunity. So we are very intentional in limiting our work time. Um, we, we make sure in evening time is theirs. We help them with their homework, with their projects. We spend time with them. And every evening we do prayer time as a family. So again, we are rooted. We need to be rooted. We're not perfect. We are, we need to be rooted and anchored in Christ and, also taking care of our parents. It is, it is God's commandments, one of the Ten Commandments that we need to honor our parents. So therefore, um, not only my two aging parents, but his aging mother as well, who's 85. So we take care of three of them regularly, and um, we want to bring the love of Christ to them. My father's not a Christian, but we need to love them with the love of Christ so that they, can, they too can taste uh, the banquet. Wonderful. Linda will be standing right here praying for all of us <laughs> to get what she has here. Thank, thank you, Linda. Lastly, we have April and Ed Hetzel. They've been coming to New Life for uh, two years. And um, Ed and April serve as campus ministers with Campus Crusade for Crew, formerly known as Campus Crusade for Christ. And um, April manages the finances for the New York City campuses. That's in uh, Brooklyn, Queens, and Manhattan to help everything run smoothly, smoothly and efficiently. And one of the things that I've um, uh, that you mentioned to me, April, with your rule of life in particular, is uh, New York City is new to you. You guys moved. Trying to figure out life is uh, can be a bit challenging. But part of your rule of life has been very intentionally about creating community. Uh, so that you're not walking alone. Just tell us a little bit about the ways you've sought to create community in this place here in, in particular in, in Queens. Yeah, so life is very busy for us with four small kids and um, Ed working and I'm doing part-time work. And um, so it's there are lots of pressures. There's lots to balance. And so for us, though, one of the priorities is that we want to be uh, walking in community with people and deeply walking in community, not just coming to church on Sundays and seeing them and saying hi, but actually like living life together. Um, so when we moved here, we decided to jump into leading a small group um, out of our house, and um, and it went from about four people to now there's about 12, which is exciting. Um, and then I'm also part of a mom's group uh, that meets once a week. And so for me, that is great. I came from an area in the South that was predominantly white. Um, so moving here has been definitely a culture shock, and it's been so good to be involved in community with people who are not like me, who are teaching me so much about how they parent based on their culture um, and their backgrounds, and even just being able to study scripture with people. Like we have a guy in our small group who's from Egypt, so even hearing him share what scripture means to him from a Western, Eastern uh, viewpoint versus our Western viewpoint um, has been so rich and such a blessing. And so honestly community is messy. People are messy. And at the end of the day with four kids, like I am tired. I am ready to just lay on the couch. Um, and so finding time for community is hard and it's, it's a lot of work. Um, but it's been so worth it for us and such a blessing and so rich. In addition to the relationships piece that's been core to you, I mean, to, to make that a fixture in your life of community, uh, Mm -hmm. is something that 
can very easily go overlooked. And we go, I don't have enough time, but you've made time for it. In addition to that, you mentioned you have four children. Uh, and so you've been experimenting with Sabbath as well. Just share a little bit about your, your Sabbath experience. Yeah. Yeah. So when we were, um, when we first started coming here, we were challenged to have a Sabbath. And for me, I thought, what does that mean with four kids? Like life at home is not relaxing. There is nothing relaxing about anything I do with four kids. And so, um, and so what does that look like to have a Sabbath and to rest? I mean, nothing is restful. Um, and so as I started praying about it and talking to Ed about it, the Lord really showed us that, um, you know, I tend to go, 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 and especially balancing, you know, the, th- the re- roles and responsibilities we have on campus and with the finances, with being a mom, I tend to just go and go and go and go and just don't stop until I'm absolutely worn out. And so the Lord really showed me if I put some things into place and started practicing a Sabbath, it could get me off that hamster wheel. Um, and so some of the things that we do practically, or for me anyway, uh, is try to get all the housekeeping responsibilities done before Sundays so that I don't feel like I need to spend all Sunday doing cleaning house. Um, you know, pulling away from technology, you know, with, with, with four kids, when I get tired and stressed, Facebook is my friend, right? And so on Sundays, I try to make sure that I'm not going to the phone, I'm not going to the computer, and that I'm really just being present with my family um, and with the kids. And, um, and then I would say another thing is, uh, and just try not to overschedule ourselves, like trying not to put a lot of things on the schedule for Sundays so that we just have free time just to be with each other. That's really great. Um, now, Ed, you're involved as well in campus ministry, and you're fundraising, you're sharing the gospel on the campus, you're reaching students, you're equipping students to be gospel witnesses wherever they go. And you mentioned to me one of the areas that you've been growing in in your rule has been prayer. And I know what it's like as a you know, vocational minister where I can be so busy to do God's work that I forget about God the God of the work. And so you've been learning about prayer in fresh ways as it pertains to your personal rule of life. Uh, Just talk about what you're learning about the work that you do and how prayer in the rule of life has helped you. Yeah, like Rich said, uh, on college campuses here in Queens, uh, giving people an opportunity to respond to the gospel and um, faculty and students and all these things happening, um, a lot of things coming at us even at home and at work. um, And a lot of times I just found myself putting prayer on the back burner and not the first thing on my to-do list. Uh, so easy to get caught up in, all right, I'll see all these details and things that need to happen. Um, and so I'll rush through those and at the end I'll be like, oh, I should pray. Uh, or sometimes it's a day or two later, it's like, oh, I should have prayed for that. Uh, but um, yeah, it's just been um, refreshing just to even have this real life and just have a plan or just some things to be trying and, and attempting to do to kind of create a real good rhythm of prayer and putting prayer first in my life. Um, not just on the to-do, li- to-do list, but in everything on the to-do list uh, as well. And so um, just the centering prayer that we just talked about uh, uh, last month with Ken Shigematsu here, um, and just be able to use that app of being able to just kind of center myself in quietness before the Lord. Um, like we said, we just moved here two years ago. And so I, I even just over the last couple of months evaluating, um, when, when I was living in North Carolina, there was things in, in my life that really kind of had those things already happening. But coming to New York City, a little faster pace, um, 
stuck on the MTA from time to time, uh, and, and all the things that kind of come with uh, a New York City life, uh, and just in the business of work, I just realized a lot of those things got pushed out, and that just wasn't happening. And so just to be able to have that um, in place, and, and realizing that that's something I need, and want, and desire, and be able to do that um, as well, and kind of put that into place. Um, my kids uh, teach me a lot um, about things. Uh, prayer is one of those. Um, in the evenings, we spend some time together praying uh, together as a family, um, and a lot of times, it kind of Kim's prayer can be just about them as they're praying and things they have going on. And so really challenge them into thinking of, all right, how can you be praying for others? And what are some things you can be thankful for? Uh, and our oldest, Kinsley, has been really uh, praying a lot for things that she's heard or seen uh, in the news as we've had the news on in the morning. Um, it's really challenged me. Like, I can... I think of big things to be praying for, like, oh, the election or uh, some big news event that happened uh, recently. But she's been consistently praying for um, the families of the victims of the wildfires in California, uh, hurricane victims and things and stuff like that. And that's not just a one-time thing where, oh, it showed up, but it's, it's for weeks. She's continuing to pray for them and just even helping me realize it's not over for them, even though it may come off the news as well. And so just really even for me, realizing my prayers can be a lot about me, but how can I be praying for others um, as well? That's wonderful. Let's put our hands together just for these panelists and for the different ways. We're trying to follow Jesus in this world here. Really, really wonderful. Let's all stand together. Let's have the worship team come forward. And again, um, I wonder where in your own life you can find some overlap. You know, we have a firefighter, a stay-at-home mom, spiritual director, an oral surgeon, campus ministers, the, the professions might be different, but our experiences often overlap. The pressures often overlap. And what we need is something that's going to help us be uh, anchored to Jesus amidst the pressures that we all face together. Let's pray and then let's just let's sing as in response. Lord Jesus, thank you for your love, for the ways that you draw us to yourself, for the ways, Lord, that you anchor us in your love. And Lord, would you teach us how to follow you in this world amidst all the pressures, the challenges, the stress. Teach us what it means, Lord, to follow you faithfully in this world. We sing to you now. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The Lord is my light and salvation. Whom shall I fear? Whom shall I be afraid? The Lord is my light and salvation. Whom shall I fear? Whom shall I be afraid? I will wait on you. I will wait on you. I will trust in Salvation, whom shall I fear? 
whom shall I be afraid? The Lord is my light and salvation. Whom shall I fear? Whom shall I be afraid? close our gathering here. I want to have our prayer team come to my left. Have um, whoever's going to be offering the bread and the cup just to come to the table. Remind you that downstairs uh, we'll have these Advent daily office books downstairs just in the the book area. So feel free to pick up a copy for yourself or a friend uh, to keep us grounded in God. Now our prayer team is here. Listen, on a given week, especially this holiday season, there's a lot coming at us. And the world is filled with a lot of frenzy. Black Friday is always a good reminder of the frenzy that we can get caught up in. And so we need to be rooted. We need to be grounded. We need to be connected. We need to be tethered to God. And one of the ways that we experience our connectedness with God is to receive prayer. And maybe you came in here and you're struggling in prayer. You're struggling to really understand rest well. In the area of relationships, there's a lot of stress and relationships that are fractured. You just need prayer for that. Or maybe at work, you're just figuring out what does it mean for you to follow Jesus in this world? Or maybe you're looking for work or you're trying to be a witness of the gospel on your workplace and you just really need someone to pray for you, to lay hands on you, to anoint you with oil as a sign of God's presence. And so whether you're coming for prayer, whether you're coming for for the bread and the cup as the Lord leads you, feel free to come forward. And as we close, let me invite you to open your hands towards heaven to receive, to receive a blessing. And if you're watching online, feel free to open your hands before the Lord as well. And with your hands and your hearts in a posture of receiving, brothers and sisters and sons and daughters of the living God, may the Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face to shine upon you and fill you with peace. And may you walk out of this building in the power of the Holy Spirit, being rooted and tethered to God. May you experience his bountiful love. And may you offer that love and grace and truth to the world around you. I bless you all today in the strong and the beautiful and the resurrected name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen. Grace and peace to you all.